How's it going everybody and welcome to episode 187 of Master My Garden Podcast. Now this week's episode is answering a listener's question. Um, it's a kind of an interesting one and it's one that I know some people wonder on and struggle on and there's also others that are probably doing what we're going to talk about here but are completely oblivious to the possible risks involved in it. Uh, so I think it's a worthwhile one talking about but firstly the question comes from Stella so Stella is, she's on Instagram as the Irish Petite Pottager, and she's a long-time listener of the podcast and regularly messages, you know, both questions and messages of support. So thank you, Stella, for the question. Um, I'll read out the whole question, and then I'll get into it. It's, um, as I say, it's, it's probably a common enough one, and it's one that some people are aware of, and others are probably oblivious to it, but it's important to highlight it, I think. So I've been meaning to ask for a while, but I keep forgetting, and your episode on sustainability got me thinking. We are going to install a water butt to harvest water from the shed, and I was thinking of the maintenance, or if this water needs to be filtered. Using it for gardening purposes only. Some sources say yes, and others say no. Could you cover an episode on this? Uh, absolutely I can, yeah. It's, it's I suppose, it's a tricky one, and when, when you say some say, sources say yes, and others say no, People are very non-committal to this, I suppose, when you look online. If you research this or if you pick up somebody's book, they will talk loosely around rainwater harvesting and not mention or go very vague on that subject. And the reason being is that there is possible risks. And I suppose, firstly, to, to talk about what those possible risks are, if water becomes stagnant, and particularly if you're getting any sort of debris in there, you can get a buildup of pathogens and that can come in the form. So you can end up with you know, bacteria, fungal infections. And from a human health perspective, if that built up potentially then, you know, lettuce leaves or, you know, salads, anything that you might be using quite quickly, you can get things like E. coli, uh, Legionnaire's disease, you know, things like that. Right. And as I say, the information online is going to be quite vague because nobody's going to stand there and say uh, or write down or commit to saying, yeah, absolutely go ahead and, and, and use it. So that's why that's why you find that the, that it can be vague. Um, am I going to answer it? And what I'm going to do is what I'm telling you is is not gospel. I'm not telling you to 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 do it, not to do it. But I'm going to give you what I know. Uh, and just just so you know, I harvest the rainwater off my tunnel and I use it directly in the tunnel onto plants that I'm eating and I don't have any issues. But I will go through the potential issues. So basically, rainwater in terms of growing plants is way, way, way better than mains water. Now, if you have your own well, it's, you know, that's, that's going to be very, very good quality as well. But rainwater is very good quality by comparison to mains water, which has, you know, typically has chlorine and, and other chemicals in it, lime and, you know, other things like that. So definitely in terms of growing plants, rainwater is streets ahead of mains water. So the other thing is that we're getting these long, long periods of dry weather. Uh, as I said in last week's episode, a long period of dry wet, dry weather for here in Ireland might be five, six, seven weeks, uh, where in other parts of the world, I know that could be months. Um, 
but for us, we are getting this, you know, we are getting these longer periods of dry weather. Typically during those longer periods of dry weather, we end up with water restrictions if you're on a mains. You know, there's hose pipe bands and we didn't have that this year, but I think it was getting quite close when, when the rains eventually came. Um, but definitely, you know, hose pipe bands are, are a common feature. Um, actually turning off, you know, for certain periods has become a feature. And if you have all this, you know, garden that you want to maintain and you've put your effort into, and particularly if you have young plants that are just planted, you know, seedlings, young trees, young shrubs, young perennials, anything that's in its earlier stages will will need water, particularly during these dry periods. So it makes total sense, and particularly when you look at Ireland, and I know it varies from west coast to east coast, but we're getting a lot of rain, typically a number a, a big number of rain days per year, um, you know, 200, 250 rain days a year if you're on the west coast and, you know, less if you're on the east coast. But nonetheless, we're getting rain quite regularly. And on average, they reckon that on the roof of a house, of a standard house, you can, you can capture between 15 and 20,000 litres per year. And that's an average house in an average year's rainfall. It could be a lot more if you have a, if you have a bigger surface area. If you have, you know, garage, a shed, you know, the potential for capturing water can be quite high. So households, you know, living in the countryside with a maybe a bigger house and, you know, polytunnel and whatever else, your potential for, for capturing water can be quite high. So it makes absolute sense to do that from a sustainability perspective, as, you know, Stella noticed that when we were talking about sustainability, it, it you know, sort of prompted her to ask this question. So from a sustainability perspective, a lot of energy, chemical needs to go into, you know, your, your tap water. So if you want to use a thousand liters in your garden, there's energy and chemicals and so on have gone into that initially. So it makes total sense and from a sustainability perspective to harvest your rainwater and use it in your own garden. Um, so that's the, you know, the good reasons for doing it. Better for plants. We get so much of it that we should be capturing it. And also we're getting these periods of dry weather that we actually going to need it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that typically, and I've said this before as well, the highest number of sales on things like water butts happens during the middle of a drought and not ahead of the drought. So the most obvious thing for anyone listening that's thinking of doing this is do it, you know, September, October, do it early in the time and make sure you're saving the water ahead of when your actual requirements for, for it are. That's the obvious thing. When the, when the rain is falling, you need to capture it. The, and this is where I suppose the, the potential issues start. So, the trouble happens with, with rainwater for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you get leaves, debris, um, anything blown off, you know, anything blown off, uh, plants gathers in the gutters and gets washed into the water butt and that material goes into the water butt. That's a problem. And we'll, we'll, we'll come to all of these in a minute and how we can prevent all this. That's problem number one. Second thing is if you have, for example, what Stella has here is a, a garden shed. If, for example, that garden shed was under, was under some trees, 
and those trees had nesting or, or roosting crows, for example, in it, and you were getting a lot of droppings onto the roof of that shed, and then during heavy rainfall, those droppings were washing off in the rainwater, going into the water butts. So now you're getting your leaves, your potential twigs, your um, maybe seeds off the trees, your bird droppings, and those combinations coming into your water butt, right? So that's where potential issue number one was. Potential issue number two is that if you were, if you were doing rainwater harvesting on a large scale to collect the rainwater off your house to reuse it, typically what happens is all of the rainwater points are gathered to one location and then underneath the ground, they're filtered, you know, in mechanical filters and then they go into an underground tank. Whereas when we're collecting rainwater on our houses, generally, we're talking about an overground tank. So the next thing that happens is you have water in your water butt, you have this debris coming off the roof and you have this, you know, droppings coming off the roof, getting washed in with the rainwater. You have a water butt that's above the ground, potentially in full sun. And now you're getting the water heating up, up inside. And now what you have is you have a perfect, perfect opportunity for bacteria and pathogens to develop because they have the heat, they have the nutrients from the leaves and the droppings and so on. And it becomes a haven for bacteria and pathogens and fungal infections and all of those things. And that's where the problem comes in, right? So once we know that at the start, then we can, I suppose, rewrite the script a little bit. It doesn't get around the fact that the next biggest reason for these things developing is water sitting for a very long time. So I, I've just said to harvest it when it's raining and it typically is raining. You know, you're getting the rainfall in the winter time and, and early spring. So if you're get if you're gathering that and say, for example, you use a normal 200 liter water butt. Now, I don't know Stella's exact situation, but I know she has a lovely little uh, kitchen garden, potager style kitchen garden. So potentially Stella needs a good bit of water um, in this garden and 200 litres may not be enough. So the, the trick with it is, and especially if you're gathering for a greenhouse, is to, so for example, for me, I gather 3,000 litres or a little over, one, like two 1,000 litre IBCs connected together on the opposite side of an old steel tank, which is which actually used to collect rainwater in my granddad's house in Carlow, probably six, 50, 60 years ago. Um, and now it's collecting water off the tunnel here. And there's 12 or 1,300 litres in that. So I'm collecting you know, 3,000 odd litres. In the wintertime, those tanks are all full. They're very full at the moment, by the way, as well. But at the, in the, in the wintertime, they're all full. And potentially, I don't really need all that water at that stage. So during the winter time, I will regularly water out the tunnel, um, even even if it doesn't overly need it, because obviously a tunnel is not getting any rainfall at any stage. There is obviously ground moisture, the water table rises, so there is moisture down below, but the plants in the tunnel typically, you know, don't get water in the in the winter time. But I will water that tunnel and keep it keep it moist during the winter. 
what I'm trying to do there is obviously keep the water moving. So first Stella, couple of tips. Number one, wherever you're going to position your water butt or butts, and I would say gather as much as you possibly can because you will use it. So first thing is position your water butt away from direct sunlight. So ideally, you're going to put it on the on the side where it's getting absolutely no sunlight. That means that it's not going to get as hot. That's first thing. Then in terms of gathering, what you want to do is if you're gathering off a shed, make sure that it's, you know, if it is under trees that are getting a lot of droppings on it, I would be careful of that one. I would be trying to collect from a shed that's, you know, in open where there's not that much droppings. Now, obviously, birds are going to land on it and they are going to do that occasionally. But if you're directly under you know, a rook of crows, for example, it's going to be covered. And that, all of that is going to get washed into your water butt, and that's causing potential problems. So generally, a roof that isn't covered over with trees or isn't under trees is a good is a good start. Um, then, no matter where your shed or your glass house or your, your garage is, you're definitely going to get, you know, leaves, leaves blown into the, onto the roof and down into the gutters. And eventually they'll find a way into it. So if there is a lot of pressure from leaves, I would be getting something like, you know, there's a long hedgehog type thing that you can get. I think it's called the, the gutter hedgehog or something along those lines. It's basically a long piece of wire, which for all the world is has bristles all around it, 360 along it. And it's about a meter long or two meters long and you just put it into your gutter and it stops leaves settling in it so basically the leaves will land but they'll blow back off again and out onto the ground so they don't settle in the gutter i would potentially use that uh, i don't use it on my tunnel so what i do is on the mouth of the tunnel i have a chicken wire folded so where the water is falling directly into the tanks i have it folded this chicken wire is folded and it stops basically any heavy leaves getting in there. I also have on top of that, I have uh, a, quite a big sponge and it's literally just, you know, a, a large sponge that you would get for washing your car, for example. I have that on top of it again and that's again filtering. So you're not getting this, you're not getting, it's a mechanical filter as such. You're not getting leaves and debris getting into the tank initially. So that's the first thing. Um, so put it into a shaded area and then filter the water, mechanically filter the water so that no debris is getting into it. And by doing those two things, having it in shade and keeping out that, you're halfway there. Doesn't get around the fact that you, you need to keep water moving. And ideally, you don't want water sitting any longer than kind of, you know, six weeks. I find if it's, if it's in a cold location and there is no debris getting into it, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, not really a problem, but that's where the issues come from, those three things. So keep the water moving. Uh, if you are joining water butts together, obviously rotate. So take the water from the oldest part first and so on and so on. And that's how you will make sure and, and not run into any issues. The recommendation is uh, even even when doing all that, so as I say, my water now when I water the tunnel is collected rainwater. I am trying to keep out as much as possible those 
you know, the leaves and, and things like that. I watered the tunnel. Um, lettuce, for example, I water that. I do wash that when I bring it back into the house. So other things like tomatoes, I don't water the leaves, I water the, the ground. And I'll just eat them straight from the plant, cucumbers, you know, courgettes. I'm watering the, the ground and not the plant. And so in all of those cases, unless I'm actually watering the leaves and going to eat the leaves, I don't, I don't wash them. But when it comes to something like lettuce leaves, if I've watered, which I am, with the rain, rainwater collected from the roof, I would definitely be given that a rinse when you bring it inside. That's the recommendations. Some people do, some people don't, but that's the recommendations and the, the risks, you know, the risks are there. Um, I'm doing it now for several years here and I, I have never had any issue, touch wood, um, but it's important to be aware of it. I don't think it's something you should be afraid of, but I do think they're the main things that you should be aware of. And if you're doing that, then you you should be fine. I would be... I would be definitely getting something. So typically, as I say, a standard water butt, you know, in a, in a hardware store is 200 litres. 200 litres is 20 watering cans. If you're watering a greenhouse or a vegetable garden or, you know, a batch of uh, perennial border or anything like that, 20 watering cans is not going to go very long, particularly when you're getting six, eight weeks dry period. So imagine that dry period that we just had this year and you have 200 litres of water, it's going to help a little bit, but it's not going to, it's not going to get you through that period. So I would be aiming a lot bigger than you think you need. Obviously, for some people, space might be an issue. You might not be able to fit a, you know, a thousand litre IBC in or whatever. But if it's possible at all, and you do have the space, I would be doing that. You can also, you know, if you're using something like an IBC, you can cover it down so that you're not getting heat into it. So you'd be you're covering it with, you know, the sort of tin file backed insulation uh, on all sides, just so that you're not getting that heat into it. Um, and that'll keep the water sort of cooler and that will help as well. If you're going full scale and you want to, you know, do it in a professional way, you're going to bury your tank in the ground and there is specific tanks starting from kind of 2,000 litres up to 10,000 litres. And they they will be literally gathering all the rain pipes off your house and then into a mechanical filter, again, similar to what we're talking about there. And they will gather all the, all the debris and then you have your tank buried in the ground with a pump in it. I have some, I have my tanks on either side and I have a submersible pump with a float switch in both of those and then I water directly off both of those um, would rotate the water so if at the moment as I said the tanks are full but the pump is in the second one which you know, means that I'm using the water that's there the longest so that's uh, important as well is to, is to use the water that's that's there the longest but if you're if you're rotating your water every kind of six, eight, ten weeks, then then you're going to be fine. And just anything that's you know for leafy leafy vegetables, ideally you're going to you're going to wash those when you bring them inside. And that's the kind of recommendations. Do I always wash the lettuce when I bring it in? No, I don't. But as I say, um, I'm not going to stand here and say that there is no risk. There is definitely risk, and that you need to have an awareness of it. 
Uh, particularly you want to watch out as you're watering. If you notice any smell off the water, you know, a foul smell, then that water is fine for using on, on your the likes of your, your your ornamental garden, but you have to tread carefully when it comes to your edible garden. Also, if you remember back a few weeks ago to the episode with um, Garrett Austin, he mentioned that at some point during that interview in relation to, to storing water that uh, water that had any of this potentially bad bacteria built up in it can be damaging to your soil health. So just be careful on that one as well. But the key is if you're following the tips that I've just given you, shaded water put in a shaded place, filter out as much of the debris as you possibly can before it goes into the tank. And then you're a long ways there to solving your problem. Store more than you need, rotate it pretty regularly, and then you have a, you have a really, really good um, way of reducing your, your water usage and you have better water for your plants for your garden. So I hope that answers the question. You can understand why, you know, when you're talking about things like E. coli and potentially Legionnaire's disease and these type things that can potentially, you know, it's not regular, but they are potential issues. You can easily see why people won't commit to it in a, you know, in a blog post online or whatever. Um, because anything they say can be taken literally. So you always have to have an awareness yourself of what's there and what potentially, what potentially you're dealing with and then work from that point. Common sense, you know, if, if it doesn't, if you get that bad smell off the water, common sense tells you that that shouldn't, shouldn't be put onto your lettuce leaves that you're going to take in in an hour's time. You know what I mean? So again, common sense, let that kick in and, you, you, you'll be able to harvest your water and use it perfectly fine. So at the moment, as I say, I'm gathering 3,300 litres approximately off the tunnel. That, the way things are going, like it was during that dry period, it was getting tight um, because I was from those, I was watering the tunnel, but I was also watering the new no-dig garden uh, in the earlier stages. And water was getting tight at that stage but typically that is going to be lots to get me through now up at the i have a raised bed up near my garage and that's needs to be at the moment watered from the mains and i don't like doing that so i'm definitely going to get another ibc onto the garage which is right beside that or quite close to that and it would it, be relatively clean there's no trees above it there's you know, there's no debris or not much debris getting into it, so that'll be quite good. Uh, and I'll use that quite regularly. So, yeah, that's that'll be basically essentially going into next year. Hopefully, all of my garden can be watered then from, from saved water. And that, from a sustainability perspective, can only be good because even that raised bed, you'd be surprised. You could use, you know, maybe not a massive amount, maybe a thousand litres in the year. But it's still a lot of water. And as I say, there is energy and there's chemicals that have to go into that prior to coming in through the, the taps in your house. So, yeah, I think I think any any rainwater you can save, the better. And just be aware of the potential, the potential issues that you have. Don't be afraid of it, but just be aware of it. And if you're aware of it, then you'll be able to sort of avoid any potential issues that you may have. So... In terms of the water butts themselves, as I said, they're typically 200 litres. They typically come with a stand. So in other words, you can get your watering can underneath them. Um, 
what it, what you do is you connect on your water your your filler basically onto your downpipe, and as soon as the water butt but is filled, the water overflows then through the same filler uh, back down your your drain pipe. So, two hundred liters, as I say, is not a lot. You can join them together then, so you can get one connecting onto another, connecting onto another. So if you had, if you were tight on space and you just had a section along a footpath or along a wall. You can join four or five together and they won't take up, you know, because they're only going to come out two foot maximum. You'll be able to gather the, all that along a wall uh, without taking up huge space. You won't be taking up the big sort of two meter square that you'd have, say, with a with an IBC or whatever. So that's that's one way of doing it. Um, it's definitely a good thing to do. Um, definitely the better water for your plants. It's it's streets ahead of, of Maine's water for your plants. And just have an awareness in relation to water quality and how to keep your water good. A lot of people say you you shouldn't use saved water uh, on seedlings, and it is for that reason, particularly for fungal infections, so Phytophthora and so on, uh, which is basically a, a root rot or a basal rot of of seedlings, and they tend to be more susceptible. Just, I suppose, to again to show you. Um, that is typically the advice that everyone says. I actually use rainwater for all of my my uh, seedlings when I'm raising them, and I've never had an issue. But I'm always aware that if, if it's sitting for a long time, and I'm also aware that I shouldn't be letting leaves and so on into it, and that's why I'm filtering those. And because I'm aware of that, I'm not having issues when, I, when I'm raising my seedlings. So, you know, just because it says that online doesn't always mean that it's correct. If you think about rainwater, obviously with the odd exception, rainwater is typically, you know, good for plants um, of all sizes, you know. So, so long as it's clean, so long as it's fresh, I don't see an issue with, with seedlings. But just again, to have that awareness around the potential problems and if you're setting it up right, I don't think you'll have those issues. And rotating your water, I don't think you'll have those issues. So, Stella, I hope that answers your question. I hope that gives you the confidence to go ahead and gather water for your petite potager. And uh, I hope that anyone else listening that was worried about this or has been harvesting water, saving it for months and months on end and not aware of this, has sort of become aware of it now and has got to know the potential issues there. Not that you should be scared of it, but you definitely should have an awareness of it. And I hope it helps. And that's been this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And until the next time, happy gardening.